biggest giveaway of the year at Stealthy Hunter is now here. So our Black Friday giveaway, and it runs from today, November 20th, if you're listening to this, November 20th through Black Friday. It'll last about a week. And what it is, is it's very easy. You just need to go to our website at stealthyhunter.com. You will get one entry into the giveaway if you just put your email list in. So you don't even have to buy anything. You can just put your uh, email in and get on our list. If you want more chances to win this package, for every $10 you spend, you will get an entry. So here's what we're giving away. A Western Hunting Summit Pass for 2024. You can pick either from Predator, Archery, or Rifle. And we announced we're going to be outside of Kalispell, Montana for that. This is our event of the year that Ryan and I work tirelessly on. And we think it's one of the best ways to build community. It's also a great way for you to be around like-minded people and to learn new skills that we think are going to, um, that we think are very important in this day and age, even though a lot of people don't. Um, the next one is you're going to get a spot to the bear tour seminar. We have not announced this yet. We're still working on venues, but there is going to be a bear tour going on at the beginning of next year. And you will get a spot, um, in the city of your choice. We're also having go hunt. They're giving one year membership to go hunt insider and a $250 gear shop, and that gear shop gift certificate as well as Crispy is doing a one pair of Brickstall Mountain Boots. We have Spartan Precision, Javelin uh, Pro Hunt Tack Bipod, and then a Tricer BP Bipod and an LP HUD. They're giving those away. And then Wild Society will be giving coffee plus a freeze-dried food package away. So this is um, going to be running through Black Friday. We would love to have you enter. Again, you can spend a little bit with us, maybe get a glassing pad, you can get your scope and crown cover, ladies. If you need something for your husband for Christmas, go check that out. And you can also, if you don't want to wait and see if you can win this giveaway, we also have Western Hunting Summit tickets available for sale at westernhuntingsummit.com. Like I said, these spots are selling out quickly um, and it's a great Christmas present. Uh, we've seen numerous people give it to their spouses uh, for Christmas, give it to their kids for Christmas. Um, it'd be great. So if you're looking for an amazing Christmas present, go to westernhuntingsummit.com as well as stealthyhunter.com to get entered into the giveaway. All codes do apply. So continue to use Stealthy10 to get 10% off your total purchase. Tonight, we're going to talk about the thyroid. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to start out with some general stuff about the thyroid. We'll learn a little bit. Some of you may already know a lot of this. Some of you may know nothing about this, uh, but it's good to know some anatomy, physiology, understanding of the thyroid. And then we'll get into some more complex common conditions that I see as well as testing and some treatment strategies to help your thyroid. And then we're going to talk about what is the thyroid systems in your thyroid, common symptoms that you may be experiencing if you have any thyroid dysfunction, 
um, what things affect your thyroid function. We're going to talk about the adrenal glands a little bit. I've kind of talked about the adrenals a lot on the podcast, and we've talked about it in our other hormonal webinars, but it's very important to the thyroid gland. Talk about lifestyle. We're going to get into Hashimoto's a little bit, which is the most common autoimmune condition. Um, well, a thyroid condition, but it's also one of the most common autoimmune conditions overall. Um, and we'll just go from there. All right. So um, let's talk about what is the thyroid? Who is the thyroid? What is the thyroid? Where is the thyroid? Um, all of us obviously probably know that the thyroid is a gland that kind of wraps around your trachea right in your neck, in the front of your neck. And um, it makes three hormones very important hormones, T4, T3, and calcitonin. So thyroxine, triiodine, thyroxine, or thyronine, and calcitonin. So see, even doctors have a hard time saying these words. Um, And you can see the lobes of it here. If you were to go to the doctor and have a physical exam and they feel your throat, they have you swallow, they're looking for how it feels, what is the consistency of it. Uh, when you swallow, do they feel any nodules or anything like that? Obviously, goiter, that's a condition where you get a really big thyroid. We don't see that a whole lot in, in our culture anymore in the Western world. Um, but these, this is the anatomical area that they would be looking at it. And so the brain actually controls this little organ. The brain tells this organ what to do. And it initially starts by um, detecting low thyroid levels in the body. So then the brain produces what's called thyrotropin releasing hormone, and this is known as TSH. TSH then stimulates the thyroid gland to produce more T4 when T4 levels are low in the body. And then T4 is converted to T3, and then there's a feedback loop that goes back to the brain that says, hey, we have enough thyroid, and TSH will go down. So this is consistently happening. These hormones are um, consistently all the time managing your metabolism in all of your cells. Also, the thyroid does produce um, uh, calcitonin, which controls calcium in the body. All right. It reduces calcium levels in the bloodstream, calcitonin back to that when the concentration of calcium is above normal levels. So if you've ever been to the physician and you'd had part of your testing is a CBC, in the CBC, you will have a calcium level that is blood calcium. That is not like the calcium in your bones or anything like that. That's blood calcium. You need a very tightly controlled level of calcium calcium in your blood in order to keep your heart functioning. And so this is one of the hormones that work with that. Now, what we're going to be talking about tonight is we're going to be talking about the other hormones that we see most when there's dysfunctional thyroid activity, and that's T4, T3, uh, TSH. And we'll go through some of the, all the different hormones there, but you can see um, these hormones that are produced and distributed into the blood. So T4 is the main hormone produced by the thyroid gland and uh, thyroxine. And then thyroxine enters the bloodstream and a small of that, small amount of that hormone is converted into the thyronine. I just call it short thyronine and that's T3. So T4 is produced by the gland itself. T4 is also produced by some other tissues in the body and other cells. It's not just the thyroid, which is really interesting. So that metabolic hormone uh, is produced throughout the body. And then again, but T4 is inactive. 
So this, when you go to the physician and they run TSH with a reflex to T4, they're looking for the TSH number, which we'll talk about the range on that. And then they're looking for what is the, what is the T4 number. Now T4 is then converted by a number of nutrients and enzymes into what is called T3. And T3 is your active thyroid hormone. This is what gives you the metabolic um, representation of what thyroid is doing. This is what causes all of the functions of thyroid is T3. So this is active thyroid hormone. And then when there's enough of that being produced and the tissues get there, get, get what they need, that feedback loop goes back to the thyroid gland to tell TSH to go down. Again, this is constantly happening. Um, next one. So you can see here, this is just another uh, anatomical representation of what happens starting in the brain, moving to the pituitary, secreting the TSH, telling the thyroid gland it's time to make these hormones. And then you can see the systems that these hormones affect. So this is why thyroid can be really complex because thyroid controls a lot of systems. It's part of the function of many different systems in your body. Um, one being your gut. So the gut, the immune system, it stimulates gut motility. So one of the symptoms of low thyroid is like constipation. So it's helping to move stool through the gut. Another one is heart, heart rate. So thyroid hormone does help to, um, monitor heart rate. When you have a lot of thyroid hormone, too much thyroid hormone, like hyperthyroid you can have tachycardia, which is increased heart rate, um, but it does moderate your heart rate. Um, it moderates brain development. It's very important. Metabolism is important for growth. And so if we're thinking about ch children as they're growing, et cetera, needing adequate thyroid hormone in order for all of their cells to be metabolic and to grow. And it does regulate muscle and bone growth. So again, all very important systems that need to be regulated and especially when they are growing. And then you can see calcitonin affects the bones and then it helps, uh, it works in the kidney as well for clearance of calcium. All right, so let's just talk a little bit about thyroid itself and the symptoms that most people have when they are having, let's say, low thyroid. So this is what low thyroid is called. It's called hypothyroid. Now, low thyroid has lots of different types of thyroid. Um, I mean, low thyroid. But right now, we're going to talk about the typical symptoms that you would see if somebody had low thyroid activity. So you're going to see digestive, or let's start with the brain. You're going to see maybe depression. You're going to see a need for excessive sleep. You may see brain fog, uh, excessive thinking errors, we call it, where you are having a hard time uh, putting your thoughts together. So again, the medical term is also brain fog. And that can be in very uh, different, different degrees. So some people have light brain fog. Some people have it really bad. If anybody here had COVID and they had any post-COVID fatigue that affected the brain, you'll know that that brain fog could be very debilitating. Um, and brain fog is not really a strong enough word for that. So, um, but these are things that can affect in the mind. 
In the digestive tract, you're going to see constipation. That's a very common symptom that we see, especially in women. Uh, chronic digestive problems, itchy, dry skin, dry, brittle hair, even some facial swelling. And the reason for this is that the metabolic activity, as well as the tyrosine, which is the pre is the antibody or precursor to thyroid hormone, um, that is that can be deficient, and so that that's an amino acid, and so we start to see problems in parts of the body that require amino acid product uh, use, which would be hair, skin, nails, all that kind of stuff, and um, and the digestive tract. If you think about the digestive tract as exactly what your skin is it, it's just that your skin has keratin on it they're almost they're identical so they function identically so if you've got a lot of skin conditions on the outside it's likely there's a lot of stuff going on in the inside as well that needs to be worked on and healed and then throughout the body you'll have many different symptoms related to hypothyroid fatigue weight gain is a big one morning headaches cold all the time poor circulation Muscle cramping, like when you're not even doing anything, you're just having muscle, uh, random muscle cramping, slow wound healing. And one of the common signs, which is something that I could see as a physician in physical exam, is sometimes you get thinning of the outer part of the eyebrow. So as women get it, they start to lose some of the, the eyebrow on the outside. Um, and this is different layers. So they're all really layered on top of each other. The other thing is some people only have a few of these symptoms. Some people have all of these symptoms. And I think that's why thyroid has become a very standard test that is on most all routine blood work. I will talk about what I think is the better panel to run for thyroid to make sure that you're getting everything checked. Uh, but typically, even on a conventional panel, you're going to get at least TSH and maybe a reflex to T4. Um, Let's see. So let's talk about a few things that stress the thyroid. So what stresses your thyroid? Why would your thyroid just start being dysfunctional? Why does it, sometimes the thyroid start going bad either in reproduction, sometimes we see this in perimenopause. We also see thyroid dysfunction in men. It is not uncommon in men. I think we talk more about it in women because we see it more in women in clinical practice but also women go to the doctor more than men do. So I think we see a lot of these conditions more in women just because women actually go to the doctor where uh, I've seen a lot of men walking around with not so great thyroids, but they just haven't been to the doctor in many years and they don't really know that it's their thyroid. Um, so obviously the big one is chronic and perceived stress. I've talked again a ton about stress and I think it is likely the biggest obstacle to all systems in the body. And it's impossible to get away from. And it's very pervasive in our culture. Um, I would just take the last month, for example, in the world where we have seen, we've been exposed to very extreme acts of um things that I just don't think as a human race that we are supposed to see on such a large level, right? And so we have stress in our daily lives. We have stress at work. We have stress and stress is also normal. Remember, like to get out of bed in the morning, you need stress. 
Your brain needs to dictate there's stress, there's light, there's noise. I need to get up. This is what stimulates cortisol to go up. It's actually vital for life. You can't live without it. Um, but there's also this perceived stress. So we have these normal stresses of our lives, but then we have this greater global perceived stress. And a lot of that comes from just what we're thinking in our head, the images that we're seeing on our phone, um, things that we don't have any control over. Like we don't feel like we can actually do anything. Um, feelings that produce a lot of fear. And if you want to talk about perceived stress, the last three years that the entire globe has gone through has created tons of perceived stress and fear. And so these things are always like nagging in the background. Unless you're like very good at removing yourself from media, social media, um, any type of external interaction that doesn't just totally relate to your life right now, uh, you, you probably have some sort of perceived stress. And the other thing too with stress is that because of social media and this perception that also others have more than we do or others are better than we do or we need to be somebody we're not or our marriages aren't as good as somebody's or our families aren't as perfect as others. Uh, again, we, we get wrapped up into that and that stress is raising cortisol and adrenaline, um, depending on what you're watching and listening to. And then you're also having dopamine dysfunction and all kinds of stuff. So stress is on the top of the list for a reason, because it's not just a thing. It's actually producing physiological changes in your body and it's messing with your hormones. Okay, so it goes from being good and beneficial, necessary for life. And then there's this huge spectrum to like visualizing and seeing the worst possible things that are going on in the world and just feeling completely hopeless and uh, stressed. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. So uh, chronic stress is a big doozy. Poor diet and lifestyle, meaning poor diet, dysbiosis, microbiome dysfunction, a very common uh, to see with thyroid. And we're going to talk more about that, especially when we talk about the autoimmune Hashimoto's. Not getting enough sleep. I cannot stress enough how important sleep is for overall hormonal health. It becomes even more uh, important as you get older and you go into midlife. And this is for both men and women. Now, women are much more uh, susceptible to sleep problems because of their cycle, because of their changing hormones. And as those of you know, who are either in menopause or have gone through menopause um, or in perimenopause, which can start as early as 39, you realize sleep is one of the things that gets really affected. And so poor sleep can have big stress on your thyroid because if you're not regenerating and not getting asleep, not cleaning your brain out, remember your brain is the one talking to your thyroid. It's the one talking to your gut. It's the one talking to your sex hormones. It's the one talking to your adrenal glands. So you've got to get that sleep um, in order to clean your brain out to get that uh, stress reduction and regenerate. It's like plugging your battery in. And so many people do not sleep efficiently. And then excessive caffeine. 
So I'm going to just share a little story about myself uh, because I recently, you know, my husband, as many of you know, loves coffee. That's like his thing. He wants to drink coffee all day long and he can have like a quadruple mocha and literally go to sleep. <laughs> I can't do that. But I go in these cycles of coffee. I really like the taste of coffee and cream and it's just so yummy. Like just no sugar or anything, just coffee and cream to me is that bitter with that yummy yumminess of half and half, which I love. And so I got on, I, I got on a kick for a while drinking coffee every day, drinking coffee every day. And I'm through, I'm in menopause. And so I'm doing hormone replacement therapy. And I, I started noticing that like, I was needing more hormone. I was having this weird fatigue that I would wake up with in the morning. I was throughout the day feeling more draggy. And I was also having um, kind of, my sleep cycle was kind of getting screwed up where I could fall asleep, but I couldn't stay asleep. And of course I was blaming it on estrogen and I was blaming it on progesterone and and etc. Um, and my thyroid has always tended to be a little low. My T3 has been low, even though my the rest of my numbers are normal. And we'll talk about those numbers. But um, and then I, I forget what happened. Something happened, and I started I started thinking. I think this is caffeine because I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So I decided a couple of weeks, uh, like a week ago, it hasn't been that long. I'm just like, I'm not doing coffee anymore. And uh, I, I stopped coffee. And every day since I stopped coffee, now I had to kind of wean myself because the headaches are real. They do come. I weaned myself off the caffeine and slowly each day, um, everyone just make sure you're muted. If you just joined the uh, Zoom call, make sure that you mute your microphone. Um, as I uh, stopped caffeine, my energy in the morning got better. My My brain function throughout the day actually got better. My stamina got better. And my sleep at night got more, has gotten better and consistent. So I don't want to blame everything on it, but I know for myself, excessive caffeine, which for me could be like what would be equivalent to two cups of coffee in the morning is just too much. I actually feel better. I can have a little black tea if I wanted, like a chai, but coffee and that excessive caffeine, it's just not for me. And I actually feel better. So I love the taste of it, but I also know that it's not great for me and it's probably messing up my adrenal glands. So it's messing up my sleep. All right, high carbohydrate diet and insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is another thing. It's kind of like uh, poor sleep and stress. Insulin resistance is, is an actual physiological thing that, again, is very, very common. And in the last webinar that I did last month, we talked about blood sugar and insulin resistance. And I just always say, like, insulin is like the king hormone. He, like, dictates to the land um, and if there's women here, he's the queen hormone dictates to the land what's going on. And as insulin becomes resistant and more resistant because we have these high carbohydrate diets, we have way too much alcohol intake, uh, we are having poor sleep and we're under chronic stress, 
insulin starts going up and then we start gaining more weight and then insulin's going up. So insulin resistance plays into thyroid disease. And there's this vicious circle of weight gain that we see, especially in the middle-aged woman, actually like in all women. But as you get closer to middle age, you start putting weight around the middle. And that's one because your hormones are changing, you're becoming more androgenic. But typically most women are also becoming insulin resistant. And I don't know if I need to get into insulin resistant because I talked about it on the last webinar and we will be putting that out in a podcast hopefully in the next week. But um, it's very important that you keep your insulin down and preferably we want your insulin to be under eight or six. Even though the range goes up to 24, if you're over 10, if you're over 15, if you're over 20, you're insulin resistant. And just giving you thyroid medication and just giving you medications is not going to fix this fact that you need to get your diet under control and try to get your insulin resistance better, meaning you need to become more insulin sensitive. So that's a big one that plays into this. Um, chronic inflammation. Uh, and there's, we have a note here for the infographic at the end. Um, that's a huge thing too. Uh, just being overweight is chronic inflammation. So for every 10 pounds, forget what the statistic is, but like the amount of inflammation that you have, 10 extra pounds that you have on your body, it, there's there's an exponential amount of inflammation that's now in the body. So you figure if the average American has, well, the Almost every average American has at least 10 pounds, but I would say the average American is anywhere from 20 to 50 pounds of weight. That is a lot of chronic inflammation. And so that's then inflaming the glands and the thyroid and disturbing insulin, causing insulin resistance and et cetera. So we want to make sure there's not chronic inflammation. And we'll talk about that too with Hashimoto's. Infections will do this. Infections will affect the thyroid. And if any of you have been really sick or had any conditions, that were infectious issues, bacterial, viral, fungal, um, et cetera, you may have noticed your labs were off, your thyroid was off, et cetera. And that's because the body is requiring a lot of metabolic activity to help to clean up in infections and infections can affect these hormones as well. All right. So also neurotransmitters. Um, what stresses your thyroid? If you have low dopamine or you have low serotonin, this will decrease your thyroid conversion. Remember that thyroid conversion from T4 to T3? And it'll slow the brain's communication with the thyroid, which is that TSH and that, you know, back to um, this, this picture here. So this brain is talking to the thyroid. It's then producing these T3 and T4. So if you've got low neurotransmitters, these, these you will also see slow thyroid conversion. And again, I think I said this in one of my hormone pod uh, webinars a while back. I do a lot of Dutch tests and on there, they put neurotransmitter uh, metabolites on there uh, for dopamine and adrenaline. Across the board, no matter what age, it seems like most people are dopamine deficient. They have low dopamine metabolites in their urine. And why do you think that is? Computers, devices social media, just clicking, 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Not that I don't do it too, uh, but I, I've had to put boundaries on that for sure because 
I spend all day in front of a computer. Like this is actually doing this webinar. I love it because I get to share and I get to talk just like I do at work with my patients. Um, it seems very one-sided right now, I know, but hopefully we'll be able to have a conversation here in a minute. Um, but when you're staring at a computer screen all day long, you're getting the effects of this blue light. Even if you have a filter on your, which I do on all my phones and my computers, you know, so when I'm from 8.30 to four, staring at my computer on my phone, doing calls, having to do whatever, I get home at night and literally the last thing I want to look at is a computer. It's, it's very difficult for me to even watch TV. Um, you know, everyone wants to watch a movie or something. It's just really hard for me to do. And so like, this is difficult for me to be doing at night because I've been looking at a computer. I've actually been up since 2.30 in the morning working. <laughs> I just got really behind and, you know, my husband's been gone for months. And so I'm trying to do catch up. So I've literally been looking at a computer since 2.30 this morning with a break here and a break there to go to work. So that's depleting my dopamine. It's depleting my serotonin. And serotonin is your lovey, wonderful neurotransmitter that makes you feel good. And when serotonin gets depleted, what do we see a lot of? We see a ton of depression, right? And this is, a, again, a um, epidemic in our culture right now. And I think it goes full circle back to the very first thing we talked about, which is chronic stress and perceived stress. Uh, you can only handle what you can handle. You can't save everything in the world. Also, you know, some people are strongly opinionated and they they love debate. And but at the same time, right now, the world is in a very divisive place. And I think a lot of people feel very conflicted, even about talking about themselves and sharing opinions. And I see this in my patients every day. You know, everybody's afraid of saying anything for wondering what might happen to them. And this is just creating this loop in the brain or just going back and forth, you know, it's decreasing your, you know, your neurotransmitters, which are then making you, you need to fill that when your dopamine goes down. What do people reach for? They reach for substances, uh, which is, this is why during COVID having all the, all the enjoyable places shut down yet having a liquor stores open or, or the pot store open or whatever. It's an absolutely perfect way to get people addicted because everybody's scared. Everybody's serotonin is low. Everybody's dopamine is low because they've been doing nothing but watching computers, sitting at home on iPads, scrolling through social media, looking at how messed up the world is and how scared they are. So what do you need? You need to go get something to calm, to make you feel like you're going to get more serotonin, get some alcohol, get some booze, get some drugs, whatever, eat more food, sit home and eat more food, which makes your serotonin go up for a minute, but then makes your serotonin fall. It's just a, it's a very strange culture we live in and we're all susceptible to it because of our lifestyle. So these are all the things The takeaway is what can you control? these right here, I would say is if you could get a handle on some, a lot of these on this list, if you have thyroid dis dysfunction right now, or you have adrenal gland dysfunction right now, these would be good things to start working on. Very good things to start working on. So, um, all right. Uh, this is just a little bit about men and women. So men, actually it's men and women. If you do not have adequate thyroid hormone, if your thyroid is slow, you're going to have hormonal issues and you are likely not going to have good fertility. 
So I've seen it over and over and over again. Women come in, they cannot get pregnant, they cannot stay pregnant, and you fix their thyroid and they get pregnant like right away. And the same thing with men. You work on their hormones, you get their thyroids healthy and their sperm quality and sperm count go up and they're able to get pregnant. So that's really important. Also, ladies, if you had a baby, if you're struggling with postpartum depression, low thyroid can be a big piece of this. Um, and as well as the adrenal dysfunction. And we won't go into reproductive hormones so much, but you know, after a baby, if anyone hears that a baby, you feel like you're going crazy for a while. And that's because all your hormones have tanked and they've bottomed out. And um, postpartum depression or the baby blues is actually very common. Psychosis is where the hormones have become so depleted. The neurotransmitter function is quite um, dysfunctional. And these are the women that do really horrible things because they're actually in psychosis. So, but postpartum depression is actually very common. And this is why we need a good support network around us. We need nutritious food. We need rest <laughs> as much as we can. And we need help, you know. But yeah, all right. And then we talked about dopamine here. So what dopamine does is it stimulates thyroid. It stimulates that TSH in the brain. Um, it stimulates that secretion from the pituitary. And then this impacts your production of thyroid hormones and, that, and the conversion of T4 to T3 in the brain. So dopamine keeps you alert with a good memory. So if your thyroid's working good, the dopamine and the TSH are working together to give you the memory keep you alert, give you focus. We all know like, I guess you could compare it like Adderall. Adderall is supposedly giving you dopamine. So you're focused, right? You're hyper-focused. Um, dopamine, you have a natural, this is your natural focus. And so uh, thyroid works into this. And so the thyroid also stimulates production of dopamine in the brain and the kidneys. And so you can see why your thyroid functioning properly is actually very important for dopamine. And then also why you need adequate dopamine for your thyroid. And this is maybe one of the mechanisms too of why we see so much depression nowadays and we see so much ADHD and we see so much lack of focus. And that's because we are constantly pushing our dopamine with the hit, I don't know, with the like, uh, with the scrolling, uh, with the Netflix binging whatever it is, the alcohol drinking, the gambling, the eating, overeating, and we're, we're wearing the dopamine out and then that affects our thyroid. And so it's kind of a vicious circle. So thinking about that. Okay, here's some lifestyle tips that I put and these are just like obvious and we've already talked about some of these. Um, help your adrenals first. So before, if you have any thyroid symptoms that haven't been treated, the first thing you need to do is to get some blood tests. And here are the important thyroid testing that I would, I do on everybody. I do this on women that come in and, you know, it's, it's just part of our normal screening. There's a few things in here I don't do right off the bat, but I'll tell you the ones that I do. So I do the TSH for sure. I do the free T3 and the free T4. Free T3 and T free T4 or what available to your cells. So I just run those because that's what is, is available to your cells right now. Um, it's also a little cheaper. The conventional model, model will run a TSH. If the TSH is either low or high, they will do a reflex, 
reflex to T4. Usually they go to T4 total. But T4 total is all of your T4. And remember, you have these um, binding globulins that bind up thyroid hormone, just like testosterone has sex hormone binding globulin. Not all of your T4 are you able to use. So it's only free T4, which is available. So those are for sure the three that I run. I also run over here on the right, you'll see TPO antibodies. These are for Hashimoto's. I always run those. If those come back normal, but I do suspect that the person is still having maybe a, a Hashimoto's, I do run the TGB antibodies. And you can run both of those if you want. You can request both of those in some patients. I'll do that because both of those being higher, even one of those being high will be a Hashimoto's diagnosis. Um, Reverse T3, which is back on the left, RT3. This is one, this is the feedback loop. So this is the T3 that's produced. If the feedback loop is not working very well, so the thyroid is not telling the brain to stop producing hormone. And this is usually off because of the adrenal glands. This is usually off because of stress and because the adrenals aren't working. So if, if you suspect adrenal dysfunction, you can have your reverse T3 ran. Um, these on the right, like TBG and T3 uptake, TSH antibodies, these ultrasound. This is if you suspect hyperthyroid, you suspect nodules, you suspect cancer, anything like that, you would run those tests. So those are important ones to remember. Um, also your adrenals. So if we're going to help your adrenals first, maybe running the thyroid, running the reverse T3, you may need to run cortisol awakening response. I use the Dutch test. I love that test. Um, or you could just go off symptoms and help people to restore their adrenals. Got to be careful because there's different um, there's different adrenal patterns. So you don't want to be treating in a, inappropriately that way. But most of the adaptogen herbs, they're called adaptogens for a reason. They help you adapt. So whether your thyroid's a little high or thyroid's a little low, a lot of those herbs are helping you adapt and come to balance. They also help your sex hormones. Um, so it's funny that they kind of all work together. They help thyroid, they help adrenal, they help sex hormones. And so, um, but you want to look at adrenals, which means you want to look at stress. Um, you can... The gut restoration program that we have on the website, you know, that's free. You can download that. We also have the Stealthy Nutrition Gut, uh, gut Restoration Stack with that. Uh, it's a great way to remove food allergens, do an elimination diet, to restore your bacteria in your gut, and just basically help to like reset the gut. That time of year is coming after the holidays. You know, basically I spend all day saying, okay, I'll see you after the holidays. Because right now nobody's going to follow a treatment plan. It's, it's like the worst time unless somebody's really sick or something to give them a treatment plan, especially around food. But um, the gut restorations there and getting your gut in order is the foundation of helping your thyroid, especially if you have high antibodies and you have Hashimoto's disease. We'll chat about that in a minute. Get your blood sugar under control. Like we talked about your insulin resistance. Um. And it's for both hypo and hyper. Uh, it's just not beneficial. All this sugar and stuff we have in our diet. I mean, to tell you the honest truth, if tomorrow, you know, all the Starbucks and all the Dunkin' Donuts and all the fast food places and all the convenience food and all 
you know, and there was like a grandma on every corner cooking this homemade, you know, some homemade meat and veggies. And, uh, you know, we probably could get rid of a lot of problems that we have today. So much of our problem comes from the poor quality food, poor quality food. And then not enough protein. Remember, you need tyrosine. Tyrosine is the amino acid. It's a precursor to thyroid hormone. So you get amino acids from protein. And a lot, especially women, do not eat enough protein. I did not eat enough protein today. I've been up since 2.30 in the morning. And I had a protein shake for breakfast with our bone broth protein, which I love. I had some wontons, like chicken wontons that I made for lunch. And I barely got to eat them because I was behind and I didn't get a lunch break. And then I have, I'm having some chicken and veggies tonight, but it's like, uh, what, almost eight o'clock. I have not had enough protein. So my body's eating my lean muscle mass as we speak. <laughs> I feel my brain right now. And uh, that's not good. So that that's, the, and we do this all the time because sometimes we just can't, you know, um, I can't be eating food all day long while I'm sitting in the office talking to patients. It's just impossible. Sometimes I don't even eat my lunch until four o'clock. So trying to get better about that, but, um, you know, that that's also not good for your blood sugar. So don't take that as an example, but I can tell you when I was drinking caffeine in the morning, it was making it worse because what caffeine does is it spikes your blood sugar. It spikes your cortisol and that's how it makes you feel like you have energy, but it's spiking the cortisol and, or it's, and it's affecting that adenosine pathway which is giving you the energy, but then you are going to crash. And when you crash, you're going to then have to ha go for carbohydrates. Most people will go for a carbohydrate because they, their blood sugar crashed. And this caffeine can do this to you. And this is one of the downfalls of excessive caffeine is um, like we talked about earlier. All right, so eat enough protein, simple carbs. Um, also remember, high protein, excessive protein can increase burden on the liver and its detox pathways. Um, and we will see this in kidney markers, etc. And I know there's all this fad right now to do carnivore diet. And I have some patients on the carnivore diet. I don't know if I've ever actually seen good numbers on the carnivore diet. People do feel better. So the the diet and the lab numbers, they don't always um, correlate. And I'm still trying to work my head around that a little bit. But we do know excessive protein is a burden on the kidneys. It's a burden on the liver. So you don't want to do much. And just to maintain, you need one gram per kilogram of body weight. Now, if you're like 200 pounds and you want to lose 50 pounds, you can do 150 grams of protein. You don't have to do 200 grams of protein. Or I'm sorry, it's not 200. It would be per kilogram. It's one gram per kilogram. So whatever your kilograms are, you can go for your target weight and use that protein, or you can go for your main weight if it's too much. Especially women, sometimes they're like, I can't eat that much protein. But you want to make sure you get it. So most women are not getting that. You need at least, you should be eating at least 80 grams of protein a day. Um, all right, so move, move, move. That's obvious. Um, if you are like my husband, you, when you're doing your exercise, you know, when he's home, his exercise is like, eh, eh, I'll do that. 
when he's in the mountains, he's killing himself. I mean, it takes him. I know people watch him and they think, oh, he's I mean, he does all this stuff. Some trips, I mean, I'm talking, it takes him two weeks to be able to walk around the house where he does not look like he's a thousand years old. Um, so he's pushing himself to the brink and we've dealt with adrenal fatigue with him before. But his constitution is much more robust than mine. If I did what he did all the time and I was doing that, I'd have a difficult time. Also, if I drank as much caffeine as he did, I'd be having a difficult time. But he seems to shrug it off. However, if you continually do that over time, it can cause more adrenal fatigue, quote unquote, because of that cortisol depletion um, and excessive stress. So moderate your exercise. You do not have to be, unless you are doing, you know, maybe what he's doing or I don't know, you're running ultra marathons or something, but I don't know how healthy those people are in the long term. And when they do do them, it takes a long time for them to recover. All right. So I like milk thistle for the liver. I think this helps just in general. And then having your liver work well is also going to help with detoxification. It's going to increase glutathione production um, in the liver. I We have a product called Harry. It's called Detox Plus. That's got the milk thistle. It's got N-acetylcysteine in it, which is essential precursor for glutathione. Um, and cysteine is also an amino acid that a lot of people are deficient in. And then there's some other liver herbs in there. Uh, and there's medicinal mushrooms. I take that product twice a day. It it literally changed my life. It it makes me feel like, I mean, and I sauna every day and I take that and it's an amazing product. It's probably my favorite and I don't go a day without it. Um, I don't take all my products every day, but that one I just don't go without. And it's part of the gut restoration program too. Um, and then selenium does help with the thyroid. There's also other nutrients like iodine. There's some controversy with iodine. Uh, some people, they put up people on iodine for everything. Other thyroid doctors, specialists say no, iodine is not good. But selenium is one thing you can take. Zinc is also good for your thyroid. B vitamins are good for your thyroid. Um, and then adrenal support. So all of the adaptogen herbs are good for your thyroid as well. All right, so let's talk a little bit about, um, before we get into Hashimoto's, and I don't have a slide on this, I I wanted to um, I want to chat a little bit about um hypothyroidism diagnosis okay so like there's lots of different types of hypothyroidism one very common one that i see is called primary hypothyroidism and this is um basically the pituitary is sensing that the thyroid's maybe not really doing its job there's something impeding it so it's it's sensing that and what it does is it starts shooting out more tsh so TSH starts going up, and this can be confusing for people. As TSH goes up, your thyroid gets slower. Um, most people think of like, it should get lower and it gets slower. No, TSH keeps going up because the brain keeps thinking, why isn't the thyroid listening to me? Why isn't the thyroid listening to me? So it keeps going up. When that's happening, your thyroid's getting slower. But what you'll see is that TH, TSH will go up but T4 will be normal and T3 will be normal and maybe low normal, but it'll be normal. And I just had a patient today with this. She's, she hasn't been on thyroid medication. 
her thyroid TSH was starting to creep up over two, and then she was at three at four, but she was still in the normal range. And she's a skinny little thing, and she can't keep weight on. So I was like, well, she obviously doesn't have hypothyroid, right? She doesn't have slow thyroid. She has to eat all the time. She can't keep weight on. She's like 109 pounds or something. And she's postmenopausal, which is really, really rare. Like most women are gaining weight like crazy. And, um, but she's like, is something wrong with my thyroid? Is it too fast? So I checked it and she has this primary hypothyroidism. She's actually, her thyroid is slow, but she told me today. So I put her on a thyroid supplement months ago when I started seeing her thyroid creeping up and she told me today, she's like, if I don't take that thyroid supplement, I didn't put her on medication. I put her on a supplement with the selenium and things for the antibodies, the herbs I talked about, that's going to be pretty powerful. Um, and she was like, if I don't take those in the morning, like I'm kind of dysfunctional. I'm so tired and I feel like I have to take a nap in the afternoon. So those thyroid hormones were, those thyroid supplements are doing something for her. They're giving her energy. But her TSH just keeps going up. Now it's at nine. That's, it should be under two and it's at nine. So the thyroid is helping give her energy, those supplements, but it's not enough to get her TSH down for some reason. And her TSH keeps going up. Now, could it be stress? Could it be insulin issues? Cause she's, and then I start thinking, is she having maybe blood sugar control issues or maybe she's got insulin? Maybe she's heading towards diabetes. I don't know. So I've got to instigate, I've got to investigate what's going on there, but that would be like primary hypothyroidism and it's very common. And if your conventional doctor sees this, they call this hypothyroidism and they put you on medication. And so um, you don't start, I would say you don't start with medication with that, but that's kind of what our culture does. We put you right on medication. Also, if somebody's not going to do lifestyle stuff, their adrenals are trashed, they feel horrible blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you need to put them on medication to get their lifestyle under control. Um, and usually they need a lot of stress reduction. They also need uh, a lot of nutritional support. So you want to make sure that they've got the selenium, the zinc, uh, antioxidants in their diet. They've got adequate vitamin A and vitamin D. That's also very important. I mean, vitamin D is basically like helps everything. So you need to have adequate vitamin D. Um, and then again, those thyroid, like ashwagandha is a great herb for that. But I just wanted to bring that up because that's a common hypothyroid. Now, hyperthyroid is when the TSH is going to be really low. It's going to be what we call suppressed. There's reasons to have a suppressed thyroid. If you've had thyroid cancer, if you don't have thyroid, if you're on medication, you're going to want to suppress thyroid. But when you're just having hypothyroidism and all of a sudden your labs switch and now your TSH is too low and maybe even T3 is going up, that means you're now going towards a hyperthyroid situation. And you don't want, people think, well, I that'd be great because I can lose weight. And I'm like, you don't want your thyroid speeding up. That's actually almost worse than hypothyroid because it's hard to treat. And so um, we watch those things. We don't want you to have too much suppression. So if you're TSH is too suppressed and it's not for a very specific reason. Like I said before, you could be on too much thyroid medication if you're on thyroid medication. So, or you're heading towards Graves' disease, which is the other autoimmune. Um, it's the hyper autoimmune uh, condition of the thyroid. All right, I'll just share my screen again with you.
Um, maybe. Sorry. Okay, here we are. So what is Hashimoto's disease? So Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune disorder that causes hypothyroidism. It 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 mimics hypothyroidism. I shouldn't necessarily say causes hypothyroidism because you can have normal thyroid numbers and have high antibodies. Again, this is why I highly stress that if you if you think you're having thyroid-like symptoms, you need to ask your physician to not only order the thyroid numbers, they need to order antibodies. And that's because routinely I test women and their thyroid numbers are fine and their antibodies are high. Now, this patient I had today, how we figured out that her thyroid was starting to have problems is I ran her antibodies because I run it on everybody. And she had 600 and some antibodies and you want to be under 60 for TPO. So she obviously was heading into, she had Hashimoto's, but her TSH wasn't as high as it was this last time. Well, her TSH went up to nine, her Hashimoto's antibodies went up to 2,800. So my suspicion is not only these other things I chatted about, but okay, what's going on in her gut? And the gut is where most of the immune system lives. And Hashimoto's is not a thyroid condition. It's an immune system condition. It's just that the body is seeing the thyroid gland itself as danger and it's making antibodies against it and attacking it. So a lot of the symptoms are as a, a low thyroid symptoms, but if you just run TSH, it's normal. Most conventional docs go, it's not your thyroid, but they didn't run your antibodies. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. They have to run your antibodies. So I would always request that if you haven't had that done. Um, and then rarely you can get what's called this rebound hyper. So you can go from Hashimoto's into hyperthyroidism or overactive thyroid, which can maybe, if you have the antibodies for Graves' disease, can turn into Graves' disease. So it just, I just have some things here. People with Hashimoto's, the immune system makes antibodies that attack the thyroid gland. Large numbers of white blood cells, which are part of the immune system, build up in the thyroid and the thyroid becomes damaged and can't make enough thyroid hormone. So it's not like the thyroid is becoming dysfunctional. It's because the immune system is attacking the thyroid, creating all these white blood cells, building up in the actual thyroid itself, causing blogginess, swelling, and then it becomes damaged and it's having a hard time making the thyroid hormone. So this is what I'm guessing is happening to my patient is her thyroid was going, her antibodies were 600 and that her thyroid was starting to get a little damage. Now her TSH is quite high and her thyroid antibodies have quadrupled. So I'm guessing it's caused some damage to her thyroid. So we have to try to re regress that back, but that's um, Hashimoto's and Hashimoto's is very common in, in women. It's the most common, um, it's diagnosed, I forget the number, I want to say maybe eight to one men to women um, for uh, autoimmune disease. Yeah, I have some here. Um, it's the most common thyroid illness in the US. It often occurs between ages 30 to 50, more common in women, eight to one. 20% um, of the patients have hypothyroid symptoms. Um, and then they have high TBO or high thyroglobulin antibodies. A lot of people that have it also can have co-commit in other autoimmune diseases like RA, lupus, Sjogren's, celiac disease. I see that very commonly, celiac disease. And that's because one of the biggest 
things that you have to stop doing if you have high antibodies is stop eating gluten. Uh, gluten, uh, the body sees gluten, the gluten protein, and it attacks the gluten protein. All these antibodies see the thyroid. It, it looks almost like the gluten protein in the thyroid. So they go attack the thyroid. <laughs> and this is where we have the damage by the white blood cells. So gluten, eating gluten, it just starts confusing the system and then it's attacking the gut and then it's attacking the thyroid. And most people don't, they just don't believe me at first when I'm like, you know, if you stop eating gluten, it, it could really help. And it takes time. It's not like you stop eating gluten and a week later, your antibodies go down. It could take years. I've had patients that for years have been diligent and their antibodies have gone down, but it's taken a long time. So gluten avoidance, and we also see a lot of cocomit and celiac disease, which is gluten, gluten, severe gluten allergy, and Hashimoto's disease. So it's something to think about there. Again, here's statistics on this. Um, I think I put here four to 10, four to 10 times more common in women. So that's a big number is kind of every... Uh, it also can occur in young women, in teens, but it's mostly 30 to 50. And there's those other conditions that you might see it with. These are the numbers that we talked about again. All right, and this is just kind of an overview of the thyroid function. So the green is the hypothyroid symptoms and signs, meaning what you will feel and what uh, you will see in the body. And then hyperthyroid is the orange and uh, those symptoms and signs. And um, we think that more women have thyroid disorders because of their sex hormone differences than men, as far as their cycles and their reproductive cycles. Um, and then you can see how, they di how we diagnose like TSH. So if you're on the bottom, if your TSH is low, then we test free T4. And if that's high, then you're hyperthyroid. If it's normal, you're subclinical hyperthyroidism. Um, TSH high, and it's the opposite. Free T4 is low. Hypothyroidism normal, subclinical hypothyroidism. So they call it subclinical hypothyroidism. Um, we can also call it primary. But this is kind of how, this is a very simple <laughs> way of looking at it. And then obviously the anatomy there. So I think that this is kind of where I end as far as like, okay, what are these conditions? What are they doing? We have a number of pages of references here for what we've talked about here, what we've cited. I would say, ladies, if you have any thyroid conditions, like cleaning up your, your beauty routine is very important. The thyroid is also very susceptible to radiation. Um it's very susceptible. So it's, it's, it's super susceptible to like all this stuff that we have. So again, why are we seeing so much of this? We're constantly radiating ourselves, you know, with our phones and our computers. So another suggestion would be to at night, if you have a wireless router and turn your wireless off. I know it sounds funny, but I actually sleep better when my wireless, uh, a wireless is off at night. So we live out in the country. The next house is five acres away. So we don't have a lot of signals in our house. So if we turn our wireless off and we turn the cell stuff off on our phones, it's pretty like good in our house. And I love that. I actually can tell the difference and I sleep way better. I've done experiments. Um, so turn that off too. Cause you know, 
we're getting irradiated with all these ways. We don't know what's going on. Um, so yeah, beauty products, clean that up. The other one, the, the website you can also go to is called Environmental Working Group. Uh, Environmental Work Working Group. I, um, I think it's environmentalworkinggroup.org. And they, you can basically go in and you can put in any product that you have in your house, cleaning product, beauty product, whatever, and it'll show you. Like it gives it a score. And if you're, I forget what it is. I think if it's like the bad score, I can't remember. I think the bad score is like four or five or something. You, you probably want to get rid of it. Even, you know, you it'll show you like, this is not good for you. This causes cancers. It, they have a lot of research. So that would be um, one thing to do for sure. All right. Any other questions? Let me see if I, hello, Toby. Yes. Um, hello. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, um, good. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I have a couple questions. Uh, first, just kind of general. Um, do Do you know if red light therapy affects uh, the thyroid at all? Uh, positively or negatively? Uh, I guess either. Either. Um, I don't know exact research on it, but I will say that. I am a huge fan of red light therapy and for many different reasons. Um, I think that uh, it's, I would say it, it probably does affect the thyroid um, positively, um, okay. especially you can, you also get red lights with near infrared on them. Mm -hmm. so those are going to go deeper into like red light is good for like skin, like outer stuff. And then near infrared is going to go through. So it's good for like joints and um, you're going to get more depth in that. And okay. I would say maybe with a near near infrared, I have a little um, handheld juve light. It does not mm -hmm. have infrared. I have a blue blocks too. Blue blocks used to make one that had in near infrared and mm -hmm. red. So I have that one too. And I've used that on myself. Like, um, when I had long COVID, I, I used it like at night to sleep because mm -hmm. it kind of, kind of permeates the body, like for my adrenal glands on my liver and uh, thyroid. Um, I don't see how it would hurt it, but I'd have to do some specific research on that. But I'm a huge advocate of the red light, especially at night after we've been exposed to these blue lights all day. And then in the morning, so I have a red light in my kitchen. That's what I turn on in the morning. And at night, when we're all calming down, I turn the red lights on at night. And then I have a red okay. light in my sauna. I use my little juve light in the sauna. Now, those red lights are really powerful, awesome. like, right? But they're definitely permeating. Mm -hmm. And I think they're, I think they're beneficial. Yeah, because you're, you're not getting the blue, the blue wave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, I do have a, a red light that has both the, Oh, cool. Infrared and near infrared. Do you so have like a it's full body? So. You have a full body one? Uh, it's a, no, it's a, a smaller panel. It's the Huga, uh smaller oh, yeah. panel one. So, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah cool. no, I, I was just kind of curious one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think those are beneficial for a lot of different things. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Obi. And of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if you don't mind, I have one other question. Sure. 
Um, I have a family member that uh, had in the past uh, thyroid cancer. So they removed the majority of their thyroid. And so I was just wondering, um, is there any like kind of food or supplementation that since like the majority of their thyroid is now not there, not uh, it, like they are supplementing with a, a different medication, but just like more naturally, is there something that you know of that could be beneficial? Yeah, I think even though you don't have all of your thyroid, I, I think some of the, um, I love medicinal mushrooms. I love the adoptogen herbs. Mm-hmm. Foods are going to probably be low gluten as well. Just anything that's going to have inflammatory response in the gut. Because okay. remember that the thyroid may be pars- mostly gone, but you have cells in your body that make T4. Mm-hmm. So not okay. just the thyroid. And so you're still getting a little bit of thyroid activity. If they completely took the thyroid, you have to be on medication. You will die. Um, but, and usually the thyroid is suppressed. Um, and so, but if you think about immune health and gut health, it's kind of the same idea is like, you want to have appropriate immune function. And the first place to start with that is appropriate gut health. So that means removing, I mean, unfortunately that probably means removing all the stuff we eat in our diet, right? Like all the processed food, all the artificial colors, all the food preservatives, all of the um, artificial sweeteners, all of the excessive sugar. And I've actually gotten to this point where I think it's okay. Like, I think it's better to eat a little bit of sugar once in a while, right? Or even like fruit and stuff than to be eating all these artificial sweeteners and all these things that kind of mess the microbiome up. Because when the, then when the microbiome gets messed up and there's this problem with abundance and diversity in your bacteria and your gut, this is where the immune system starts to do all kinds of things. And one of them could be attacking your thyroid. So the microbiome is, are these bacteria that basically we feed, you know, they, they live within us and they all have specific jobs that they do. And with the diets that we eat nowadays, just kind of the Western processed diet, we have a lot of immune overstimulation and create a lot of underfunction. Um, and so the thyroid can be affected as well as all the other cells in the body, right? So if other tissues are making thyroid hormone, our immune system is going to be important to help all of those as well. But it is, a, it is, it is probably trickier. And at the same time, you don't have as much thyroid. So y- you may not be having a direct effect because the thyroid's not there. But yeah. the feedback loop in the brain is still working. So, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Okay. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Uh, Tabitha over here says, I use the Kono Nutrition pre-workout. You recommended. I love Kono Nutrition. They have a, and I take that pre-workout too. Like I take it on days I don't even work out because I love the lion's mane in it. And uh, they got a really good clean product. Take it first things with the green supplement. You'd wait till later. So I've talked to him about this. Actually, we talked about this and there is caffeine in it. It's from green. It's, it's more natural. There's not uh, actual caffeine in it. But I told him that too. I said, I, would, I used to get up and walk like five miles every morning. Then I would take it. And I was thinking, I'll do my caffeine later if I was doing caffeine. And he did say to me, you know, doc, 
there is caffeine in that. And we were having this whole, should I wait for my caffeine 90 minutes after I wake up? The whole idea of the adenosine pathway. And Huberman's made that quite popular by talking about that. But that's been kind of well known for a long time. Is like, if you just jump out of bed and drink caffeine, you're going to affect your cortisol pathway. But your cortisol pathway is going up in the first 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes. So... But then the other thing is, is if you can wait 30 minutes from getting up, I mean, by the time you get up, you brush your teeth, you get your workout clothes on, you get your clothes on, you go out in the kitchen, you get your drink together. It's probably been 30 minutes, right? I don't know. Maybe it takes you five minutes, but I'm not quite that quick. By the time you get working out and maybe you drink that drink, you're probably okay. And I don't think that, I don't think the caffeine's that high. And honestly, I don't even notice the caffeine in it. So I don't know. I think it's a small amount and I'm sensitive to caffeine. So, um, but I do think it's a, I think it's a great product. And, and maybe the other things that are in the product are kind of counteracting some of that caffeine effect, but, um, I also don't think it's that much caffeine. So does that help? Does that answer your question? All right. Any other questions, folks? Um, there's a ton of stuff we could talk all day long about sex hormones and thyroid and how they affect the thyroid. Um, obviously, for women, there's going to be many different uh, times of their life where thyroid is going to be affected. Um, and also testosterone. Testosterone is an insulin sensitizer. So if you've got a lot of insulin resistance, you can't lose weight, you can't keep lean body mass. It could be that's affecting your thyroid, but it could also be from low testosterone. So again, getting a sex hormone panel done is important because there's huge metabolic effects that happen when you have low testosterone, especially in men. Um, you know, healthy men with low testosterone levels have increased insulin levels. They have um, increased glucose, they have increased triglycerides, they have increased cholesterols, and they have sometimes increased APOB, um, which is an inflammatory LDL. So again, thinking of uh, the metabolic effects also of testosterone and how it could play into your metabolism. Um, let's see, I think I've got anything else. All right. Um, I think that's it. So if nobody has any more questions for tonight, I think we'll just call it quits there. Really appreciate you guys being here tonight. Hopefully you learned something. I know this was really basic, but sometimes basic is the best. If you take anything away from this podcast tonight, this webinar tonight, go and try to work, as I've always talked about, on those lifestyle factors that make it a difference for all of your systems. And the big one with that is stress. Big one with that is adrenal health. Another one of that is turn off your TV, turn off the media. You cannot fix the entire world and just be more uh, you know, involved in your family. Decrease that perceived stress. Make sure you're moving. Make sure you're getting outside. You're getting nature. Um, get away from the screens as much as you can. Turn your Wi-Fi off. Use healthy, good products on your body. 
Um, eat good, healthy, clean food, drink tons of water. You don't metabolize anything properly. If you do not have enough water in your body, your cells cannot do that without adequate water. Um, and get good quality sleep. Make your sleep, like try as hard as you can to make your sleep as good as it can, because that is one of the most beneficial things as well. So that's the takeaway, lifestyle, 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 and positive choices. Biggest giveaway of the year at Stealthy Hunter is now here. So our Black Friday giveaway, and it runs from today, November 20th, if you're listening to this, November 20th through Black Friday. It'll last about a week. And what it is, is it's very easy. You just need to go to our website at stealthyhunter.com. You will get one entry into the giveaway if you just put your email list in. So you don't even have to buy anything. You can just put your uh, email in and get on our list. If you want more chances to win this package, for every $10 you spend, you will get an entry. So here's what we're giving away. A Western Hunting Summit Pass for 2024. You can pick either from Predator, Archery, or Rifle, and we announced we're going to be outside of Kalispell, Montana for that. This is our event of the year that Ryan and I work tirelessly on, and we think it's one of the best ways to build community. It's also a great way for you to be around like-minded people and to learn new skills that we think are going to, um, that we think are very important in this day and age, even though a lot of people don't. Um, the next one is you're going to get a spot to the bear tour seminar. We have not announced this yet. We're still working on venues, but there is going to be a bear tour going on at the beginning of next year, and you will get a spot um, in the city of your choice. We're also having Go Hunt. They're giving one year membership to Go Hunt Insider and a $250 gear shop, um, that gear shop gift certificate as well as Crispy is doing a one pair of Brickstall Mountain Boots. We have Spartan Precision, Javelin uh, Pro Hunt Tack Bipod, and then a Tricer BP Bipod and an LP HUD. They're giving those away. And then Wild Society will be giving coffee plus a freeze-dried food package away. So this is um, gonna be running through Black Friday. We would love to have you enter. Again, you can spend a little bit with us, maybe get a glassing pad, you can get your scope and crown cover, ladies. If you need something for your husband for Christmas, go check that out. And you can also, if you don't want to wait and see if you can win this giveaway, we also have Western Hunting Summit tickets available for sale at westernhuntingsummit.com. Like I said, these spots are selling out quickly um, and it's a great Christmas present. Uh, we've seen numerous people give it to their spouses uh, for Christmas, give it to their kids for Christmas. Um, it'd be great. So if you're looking for an amazing Christmas present, go to westernhuntingsummit.com as well as stealthyhunter.com to get entered into the giveaway. All codes do apply. So continue to use Stealthy10 to get 10% off your total purchase. The Hunt Harvest Health Podcast and the Stealthy Hunter LLC, its managers and partners, we do not diagnose, prescribe, or replace the services of a healthcare professional. 
This podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem, and any questions regarding your health should be addressed to your primary care physician or other health care provider. Remember, I am a doctor.